0: Welcome to the One Pound Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne, and this is episode 17. If you're not sure what this is, this is a podcast about going to CEX, charity shops, car boots, and finding a DVD movie for a pound or less. That's, that's the entire crux of the show. There could be anything. Oscar winners, right the way down to B-Movie dirt, anything in between. On episode 17, I have a very special guest. I have the missus. She's back for a second episode. Say hello, Emma.
1: Hello. You all right? Yes, thank you.
0: Excited to be here? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And we're going to be talking about the 1985 film, The Perfectionist. In the tradition of educating Rita and Mr. Mom comes The Perfectionist. Stewart's a professional student. Stewart's thesis is going to be a world breakthrough.
2: I've been hearing that for nine years.
0: Who hasn't quite finished his homework.
2: It's going to be a major breakthrough. I'll be able to pick my chair at any university in the world. And what'll that do for me? I get to be the great man's wife, never taken seriously by anybody. Barbara's his loyal, loving wife and mother of their three perfect children. Now she's on her way to becoming a woman of letters. The fastest growing disadvantaged group in this community are the families whose mothers shoot off to do idiot courses. All I want is a chance. After all these years, I feel I'm entitled to it. Do it now, Barbara. Stewart. will never slow down. Men never do. While he's turning into the man of the house. Tom, get the rubbish outside, it's will you? job! Will you do it? Daddy, can you fix my toy? I have to find somebody to look after Nick and mind the kids when they get back from school. But along the way, the unexpected happens to all of them.
0: Yes? I have come about the babysitting job. Right, so the Perfectionist from 1985, starring John Waters and Jackie Weaver, directed by Chris Thompson. It runs for 89 minutes. It has an IMDb score of five out of ten, 5.5 out of ten. Sorry, no score from Rotten Tomatoes. I couldn't find out the budget, which means I couldn't find out the gross either. So we'll start we'll head straight into this. And this is a DVD synopsis. This is straight from the back. So I'm always terrible at these. We'll, like, we'll give this a go though. For nine years, Stuart Gunn, John Waters, has been a hardworking and ambitious economics lecturer, who dreams of achieving worldwide fame through a revolutionary PhD thesis. Barbara Gunn, Jackie Weaver, is Stuart's long-suffering wife. She has given up her career to care for their three young sons, and she is suddenly set to rebel. She wants to return to the workforce and earn a university degree, so she insists that Stuart hires a babysitter so that she can go fulfil her ambition. Barbara decides to hire Eric, Stuart Wilder, Sorry, Stuart Vidler, a good-looking young man from Denmark, as the family babysitter. Eric's presence turns out to be interesting, and Barbara gets more than she bargained for. That's a, that's a bit of a synopsis, isn't it, though? Well,
1: I have to say, the only pick- reason I picked up the DVD in the first place was because I thought he had Gerard Depardieu on the
0: front. Yes, this is all Emma's fault. <laughs> Didn't read it, just picked it up because it looked like Gerard Depardieu. And
1: then it wasn't anything to do with Gerard oh, Depardieu. I mean,
0: If you go onto Twitter, you'll see the pictures of the DVD case, and it looks horrendous. It looks like they've just randomly took a still from the film and put it on the DVD. That's what they've done.
1: The director asked his nan to make him a DVD cover. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, here are some photos, Nan. Yeah. Can you sort it out? Do you
0: know how to use Microsoft Word? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A bit of background on the film. Very, very small background on the film, and you'll see why. So The Perfectionist is based on a play from 1981 written by David Williamson. He's also a screenwriter who adapted uh, the film, adapted the screenplay for The Year of Living Dangerously. The rights were bought for The Perfectionist in 1983, and plans were announced for a film, but it fell through. Then a TV movie was made which is this, and uh, it was sold to multiple territories. That's that's pretty much all I could find out about The Perfectionist. It's very small. So, uh, director Chris Thompson, she's from New Zealand, and she's mainly known for TV work in Australia, Hitchhiker from 1983, The Challenge 1986, and some film called Center Play from 1973. Jackie Weaver, who plays Barbara Gunn in the film, uh, Australian actress with 88 credits to her name, including Silver Linings Playbook, 1975 version of Picnic of Hanging Rock, and she's also in The Disaster Artist, which has got the, about the third third time this that film's been mentioned on this podcast. She has a son called Dylan Waters with uh, ex-boyfriend John Waters, yes, from the film, and she was Oscar nominated for Silver Lining Playbooks uh, after Emma Thompson turned it down. Um, the role that is um, the Oscar went to Octavia Spencer for the help so John Waters who plays Stuart Gunn is John Waters not that John Waters
1: yeah
0: it's a different John Waters and, so, and
1: not Gerard Depardieu and either. not no
0: <laughs> it's not French actor Stroke He's, is he on the run for sex offence or tax fraud who Gerard Depardieu. oh, I don't he's know. He's seeking haven in Monaco, I believe. Oh, is he? Yes, <laughs> I don't know what for. So I'm sorry, Gerard, I'm being this defamation. This is, and I'm sorry, <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. I can't remember why you're on the run. Damn. If it's for tax fraud, well, bad luck, he got caught. If it's a sex offence, you're a piece of shit, and I don't give a fuck anyway. John Waters, as I said, uh, he, firstly, like I said, he's not that like John Waters, uh, and he is a, a British actor uh, of TV uh, who emigrated to Australia as part of the £10 POM scheme. Ah. Uh, he has 93 actor credits, uh, including stealth, you know, action, classic not, stealth. Not the stealth. <laughs> I think it is the stealth. Uh, the Dr. Blake Mysteries and uh, Return to Nim's Island as well. Oh, I didn't know there was
1: a Return to Nim's Island.
0: <laughs> ah, just, well, yeah, well, now you know. That's one to look out for in the shops there, folks. Uh, He's the son of a British actor, Russell Waters, who is a character actor in bloody everything. I wrote down two because I couldn't be asked because he got a massive list of credits. He's in everything from The Wicker Man to Never the Twain. He's everywhere.
1: And also, um, at least two of the children in the film were in Mad Max.
0: At least, wow, I didn't pick that up. I didn't go looking for that though. (laughs) Wow!
1: Was on IMDb. I didn't check the third one, so possibly he was in as well.
0: Well, that's right. the right time. They're a bit old. They're, yeah, they're back.
1: And the eldest I, I was um, in Home and
0: Away. That's, I mean, yeah, fine. <laughs> Emma's, Emma's done better research than me. I only, I only bothered with the main actors. I should have bothered with the kids, really. Um, a bit of critical response. So Bernard Hemingway from Cinephile, he gave this two stars, and he said, Williamson's screenplay is often so didactically trite as to make one wonder... If the thing is intended as a parody, whilst Weaver's Wardrobe is so gobsmackingly awful as to make one wonder whether anyone connected with the film had the remotest idea of what they were doing. Mm. Uh, and then he also goes on to say, and that was, left, sorry, that's just me. I've wrote this at the bottom, I didn't realise. That. And that's pretty much the only one I could find, uh, mm. the only review I could find. So, expectations, Emma?
1: Um, I'm not expecting much.
0: <laughs> that's that's funny enough. That's my first note. Low expectation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, os-
1: just going by the
0: DVD case, and <sighs> it's a TV movie. And the case looks like a TV movie. We'll we'll go more into this after we've watched the film. Um, I'll come to that in a second, and in when we round up at the end. But yeah, this is a 1985 Australian TV film. Mm. You know, Australia had just found their feet in in the in the market of movies for me. You know, in Mad Max and and. I'm sure I'm going to come across another one in a minute, but I can't remember it. Like, brain dead and things like that, you know. So, Mm. the Southern Hemisphere is just coming into... Anyway, so, yeah, I'm not expecting much exactly the same. Just melodrama, you know, melodramatic-type film, that sort of thing. And it's from a place, so it's going to be wordy as all fuck. That's what Mm. I think it's going to be. I'm hoping that it's fast-paced and it's got a decent story and it just bounds along, because the last thing you want is 89 minutes of just trite (laughs) rubbish.
1: At least it's only 89 minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean... I'm really hoping the acting is up to much because, you know, if anybody living in the UK you know what happens at 2 o'clock on every weekday on Channel 5 you get bloody lifestyle, Hallmark films you know, stuff like The Nanny Killer or, uh, you know, My Baby Wants Me Dead or something like that so I'm hoping none of those So, if you're new to the podcast what's wrong with you, there's 16 other episodes to go listen to if not, you won't know what's coming now but we break for an intermission now while we go and watch the film so here's the intermission (laughs) we're back. We've just watched the film. I'm going to say spoilers, but... (laughs) Does anybody care? If you're going to find this film, I'm really impressed. If you you do want to watch this film, stop the podcast now, because there are going to be spoilers. But uh, yeah, spoilers from here on in, if you can find it. And we'll go with a quick reaction, Emma. What's what's your initial reaction to this?
1: It was all right. That's as much as I can say, really.
0: I... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've got a. It was much better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. You know, I expected it to be a lot more melodramatic and a lot more serious in tone. And it's got a slight mellow, you know, um, manic pixie dream girl feel when Eric turns up.
1: Yeah, it's quite silly and yeah, it's one of those you not you're not sure if it's going to be so bad it's good or just bad. But I don't think it was either in the end, really. No, I, it I, was I, decent.
0: I put quite a fun watch because I remember laughing a few times. So so yeah. So. Let's, let's, let's go through this so we start with the opening credits and start with the music and wouldn't be out of place in a Mel Brooks film straight away it, that sort of strange almost Charlie Chaplin-esque type bouncing along mu- music it was really weird or a Woody Allen film maybe something like that hmm. and we'll get more into that as we go along because they want to make a Woody Allen film in this don't they we open on a family pool party uh, where some kids play up and the parents give them a dressing down and leave yeah. I'm not
2: going through another one of those afternoons ever again in my life, right? Those little bastards have totally wrecked the yard. They get on well together, our kids and theirs. Oh yeah, they're real soulmates. Genghis Khan meets Attila the Hun.
0: We find that Stuart, uh, the husband, is an absolute arsehole and uh, looks like he's in the middle of a midlife crisis and he patronises his wife and seems to uh, be of the, um, the bigoted... All little woman stay in the kitchen brigade of the uh, of the early 80s. Uh, we see that Stuart and his wife Barbara have three sons. And they're all little blonde kids who are just absolutely running amok, basically, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think they should have really gone for it with that, though, because so- it sort of seemed like they wanted to make it look like these were wild children out of control, but they were only sort of out of control, and I think they
0: should have just really gone for it. Yeah, they're not rabid. They're feral, is what they are, and, and he's slightly feral. They're feral. Yeah, they're slightly feral. Yeah. Um We find that Stuart is a college professor uh, who is working on a big thesis, and he's been doing it for the past nine years. If you've been doing something for nine years, you're not fucking good at it. <laughs> Barbara tells Stuart uh, she wants to go back to college and finish her degree. She gave uh, she gave up to to raise the family, and like I said, you know, like I think it's going to be some mundane. At the moment, it's a mundane family melodrama, isn't it? It's not as weird as I thought it was going to be in like the first five or six minutes. It's quite well put together mm. as does, a film. It does
1: definitely feel like a play, though. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't you know,
0: suffer as much as some films do from
1: having been plays, but you can tell it was a play.
0: I mean, um, after this, we meet the star of the film for me, the film's MVP, mm. by far. It's the baby blue Volvo V40 Uh-oh. estate. <laughs> oh, my, my eyes lit up when this come on. A I mean, beauty. You're having a midlife crisis and you drive a, a baby blue people, a baby blue V40 Volvo estate. That's, uh, yeah, no wonder you're having a midlife crisis. I'm going to refer to Barbara's Babs, which may be a bit uh, derogative, but we'll go through. So Stuart, Barbara and the kids uh, go to see Stuart's mum and dad, who are absolute upper-class twats.
1: I did quite enjoy the parents. Oh,
0: this, uh... <laughs> I mean, once you figure out who they are, because they don't really explain who they are, do they? No. Yeah, um, She calls, Stu calls his mum by a... Actual name And she's mm. pissed
1: Yeah She's just A complete alcoholic And her husband Doesn't seem to have Noticed at all Because when he gets Brought up
0: later He's like
1: No, no she isn't
0: Yeah <laughs> It's like Well yes she is <laughs> Stu's, uh, Stu's dad Teams up with Stu And gang, you know Gangs up on Barbara And says No you shouldn't Go back to school You know And And uh and then the mom in law pissed up, says, oh, well, look after the kids, it's fine. Yeah, you can go back to college, I'll have them. On the worst idea in history scale. Mm. Pissed up middle-aged woman who has no sense of life looking after three young kids. Yeah. That's about a I've seven. Got, i got the half, impression and... that Barbara was only going
1: along with it because she knew it was all going to end in disaster and she wasn't really that bothered if it did. <laughs> and it's like, well, that'll persuade the husband to uh, hire someone proper and uh, neither of them seem that bothered about the children. Uh. So... <laughs>
0: I mean, and I mean, we 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 cut from from the, the the mother-in-law saying I'll look after the kids to her definition of looking after the kids, which is pouring a very stiff drink while smoking and watching TV in a closed-door room, and then the four-year-old drips what I believe is honey all over the fucking house. Yeah. Barbara walks in and it's like, "Oh, Grace," and she's like, "Oh, he's been golden. He's <laughs> been golden because you've been watching fucking Sons and Daughters." 80s mm-hmm. Australian reference for you there people after this disaster Barbara says um, she'll work it out uh, she can stay at college and hire a nanny so mom in law can drink a in peace. basically budgeting but not deep cut budgeting well
2: I told you my mother wouldn't be any mm-hmm. use but oh, uh, you went straight ahead and enrolled to start at the college we're going to have to hire someone to look after him we can't afford it I've managed to cram all my lectures into two days so I can work at home for three. That'd be about $80. $80? I calculated that if we cut down on clothes allowance, drink flag and wine and eat out only once or twice a month...
0: I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, first world problems and all. You know, We can eat out twice a month. <laughs> what yeah. hardship. Not a hardship. What uh, a hardship. Bob's interviews the many candidates. This felt very Mary Poppins, but also very Mrs. Doubtfire, because mm. they're all absolute fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't trust them with a guinea pig, let alone children. No. I mean, um, you get, you know, they're all bloody, they're smokers, they're child bruises, or worst thing in Australia, what you could possibly be is a actual foreigner, mm. you know. And then enter Eric the Viking, you know, he comes in with his, his big, tall, muscly man with yeah. his bright, blonde hair, you know, and his amazingly strange accent.
1: Yeah, I've, I've sort of kept changing my mind about whether it was... Really awful, or if it was, well, he could just about maybe sound like that if he'd been living in Australia a long time.
0: Yeah, I got Australian layered with German, that's mm. what I got. I and mean, considering he's further north, I'm not sure how dissimilar the German accent is the the Danish accent, but it was a stretch. yeah. Austra- yeah.
1: Australian, I'll give him the benefit of
0: the doubt. <clears throat> Absolutely. After acing the interview with Bob's, who gives him the absolute glad eye, they <laughs> <What> go out. <laughs> Bearing in mind what I just said, people about them budgeting to have a um, them budgeting to have a, uh, a nanny come in and look after the children. They go out to their rear garden and they have a pool, mm. apparently. So yeah, first world problems and all that. Eric strips off and dives into the pool. Eric meets Stuart, who instantly takes against Eric and yeah, funny des- that. yeah and describes him as a liberal flake love that uh, but Bob's hires him anyway of course she does uh, this house is a nut home that's the my next line I've got there's it's just messy there's kids screaming they're arguing there's spilling shit everywhere and obviously they're setting up for you know Eric's going to come in and sort all these noisy yeah. kids out you know uh, and then I put the next line is Eric turns up super nanny, <laughs> straight away uh, makes an impression and tells Bob's the family food is awful and um, instantly goes shopping to a health food store I thought they were tightening their belts.
1: Mm, yeah, but maybe going to the health food store is cheaper than buying all of the processed nonsense and takeaways. and.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not in the health food store, I fucking <laughs> know. <I'm> sorry, Emma. <laughs> so then uh, we, we, meet, we meet Bob's friend uh, from college who never gets a name. She's in the film in like four scenes and if uh, she does mention her names, it's, it's very fleeting. And she comes around and she also makes eyes at um, Eric and tells Bob's she would. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think that was her sole purpose in the film, wasn't it? For to be there and say, "I would."
0: And <laughs> back to Bob's, and obviously she's feeling a bit fresh because of old uh, Blondie, and she's back doing her thing at college, and she's having a bit of you know resurgence. And they've tightened their belts so much that they can only afford the one bottle of Moët champagne, like all you know people on a budget do. She <laughs> tells Stuart uh, she wants to get drunk and fool around, but he's busy with his thesis, uh, so she calls him a. Perfectionist, yeah, yeah. wouldn't me and Emma recognise each other? You? you can't say that, because um, uh, he's been working on it for nine years, and you uh, want, and he wants it to be right. If it's not right after nine years, then it's never going to be fucking right, is it? And the next day, Eric shows up, and uh, he's not working; he's just lonely, and he doesn't know uh, anyone other than Barb's and Stu So they get drunk, and it leads to um, one of the best lines in the film for me: uh, "When I get drunk, I notice people's hands." <laughs> I. I wrote it down, it was Mm. incredible So after some Twister with Eric Because of course you're going to play Twister with the the, You know, the Danish Well
1: how else are you going to seduce him when you're both Day drunk?
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) day drunk (laughs) Uh, Stuart comes home to find uh, The kids in front of the TV And Barb's is still pissed Uh, Stu is upset uh, but drunk Barb Is on fire and tells Stu She'll finish her degree, uh, then her Masters Then her PhD before Stu and she'll make him Call her doctor every day (laughs) Even in bed. To be honest, after nine years, she's probably got a better chance
1: of uh, finishing her PhD before he finishes his thesis.
0: It's true. I I really enjoyed that a lot because I forgot the the lady's name. Uh, Jackie Weaver, Jackie Weaver, who does actually sound like she's from a British sitcom, doesn't she? You know, like, like the Royal Family. You're going to go around and see that Jackie Weaver? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, it made me unlock because she, she plays that really well. The next day, Eric confronts Stuart about his treatment to Barbara, and Stuart's just an absolute prick about Barbara going to college, and Eric calls him arrogant. So, to prove his point, uh, he fires Eric <laughs> uh, with a, I'm more important than her speech. <laughs> If that wasn't bad enough, he insults Eric, um, he, should, he should totally knock him the fuck out. <laughs> Stuart, even if your work is more important than Barbara's, the marriage is not going to be real good if you don't respect what Barbara is trying to do.
2: So I'm supposed to pretend... No, just I... respect that her work is as important to her as yours is to you, and accept her as an equal. Eric, the only way I could make Barbara equal to me would be to repeatedly smash my head against the wall until I lost 20 points off my IQ. If I stand here any longer, that's exactly what I might do.
1: Eric is the more enlightened man. You see, he's he's in touch with his feelings, and he knows that violence isn't the right way.
0: Well, all right. Bob gets home um, after a conversation with a friend about uh, why she hasn't had sex with Eric yet, and propositions him. Uh, he declines and comes across like he doesn't fancy her, and he's really uh, awkward and also also quite spiritual about the whole thing. Bob's and Stu completely completely got the um, seven year itch situation going on. You know, they're they're both in the middle age and they're they're both trying to relive their lives. Well, and
1: I, I don't know that stu has got the seven year itch because it just sounds like he'd never stopped scratching since they got married. <laughs> yeah.
0: After the altercation between Stu and Eric, uh, he sacks him and Barb's ends up taking her son to college. And he's a little shit, of course he is, playing up in uh, playing up in the class. Why would you take your little boy into... I, I sat there and went, this doesn't seem right. No, she, she was trying to prove a point though, wasn't she?
1: And so she could tell him how awful he'd been when she had to take him into college with her.
0: She storms off uh, to see Stu and demand Eric back. Plot twist, Eric has murdered Stu. <laughs> Only joking. Only joking. Stu does a complete uh, face turn. Uh turns out some American has been working on the same thesis as him and uh, he's published his thesis. And the kicker is, after nine years, everything he's worked on is fucking wrong.
1: Yeah, his whole theory was wrong. Just... So what's he going to do now?
0: Well, Stu's world comes crashing down and he realises he's been completely obsessed with work and he's been missing out on his family. What follows is a great scene with Stu and his parents... Stu tells his father that he's been overbearing uh, and made a submissive alcoholic of his mother and how she's always uh, been awfully cold, uh, that she never (laughs) hugged him, and she says, he was always too clingy. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh, Stu starts... um Stu states he's going to be a real father to the boys and decides to enrol in a parenting class. How very woke of him for 1986. I, I also
1: enjoyed when uh, Stu complained that his mother
0: said he was clingy, that she just said, well, yeah, you were clingy. It was awful. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, but how very woke of him for 1985 to go to a parenting yeah. class. And we move forward in time and we see that Stu uh, has got the house running smooth. and Bob's is not a fan. She she, prefer, she prefers the chaos?
1: Um, well, it's one extreme to the other, isn't it? Because you sort of go from the chaos of children running, running around the house and trying to spill honey everywhere to um, there are three kids and a husband who can overrule you because they're doing everything by committee.
0: Yeah, here we go. Turns out she was a model student in the parenting classes and uh, he gets the glad eye from one of the mums. They start having family meetings. Uh, like works committees where they vote on family issues. Like uh, Nikki wants to ride his bike in the house. Uh, Barbara is completely against this. Um, the the meeting, the harmony, everything, and it feels like she feels jealous, unappreciated, and, and slightly envious. You know, she completely dismissive of what they're trying to approve, and and the kids seem to like the. Get on board with it, don't they? They really do.
1: But, you know, would you want your small child riding in a tricycle around the house and breaking things because they break things without bringing a tricycle into the house?
0: To be fair, to be fair, they voted on it. Tough luck now. It's three to one.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's why she doesn't like it, though.
0: Well, she should sit in the committee then and argue a case, shouldn't she? You
1: know what I mean? Well, the the eldest son was on her side, so that's
0: two out of five. It It could have been, yeah, sorry, yeah. Could have been two out of five, but she could have swayed the vote if she'd have been there to, to bother, but she wasn't, was she? Barb talks to a friend uh, about what's going on at home, and we get an A-grade parenting tip from Barb's.
2: Our assignments to have in by next Friday. Yeah, it builds up, doesn't it? Uh, Liz Stewart seems yeah. to be pulling his weight. Oh, what's that parenting course he's doing? That like? Sounds it's good. Piss. I have to ask permission from the Democratic yeah, Family yeah. Meeting before I'm allowed to give Nikki a good whack. Oh, I think Stuart's gone off his nut, really.
0: Uh, Barbara's spending more time uh, with her course and away from home, uh, probably because she's been a housewife for the best part of 12 years, bringing up the family, and Stuart goes into uh, this like hypercritic holier-than-thou, uh, like with fortune cookie sentiment of, don't lose touch with your family over work. You absolute fucking hypocrite. <laughs> I, I sat there and I was aghast. You fucking... I, that's what he's designed for, isn't that moment in the film? Mm. Uh, after the uh, after more fraternising with Margaret uh, from Parenting Club, that's the woman who gives uh, Stu the glad eye, Stu uh, decides to buy his tickets for the uh, the opera and he takes Barb's uh, and they're running to Margaret who uh, looks like she's going out dancing in a $5 entry nightclub. Obviously, Barb's gets pissed and calls Stu out and... Uh, The role is completely reversed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stuart and the boys have uh, taken up jogging as well. That's very Wes Anderson that they're all wearing. I was going to say, I
1: I wonder if uh, Wes Anderson saw this before he did the Royal (laughs) (laughs) Tenor. Yeah, they're all jogging (laughs) in bright yellow. Yeah, yeah, the matching uh, track suits.
0: Yeah, and... um, Bob's goes nuclear when they come home about them getting all sweaty in the house. Yes, it
1: smells of sweat in here.
0: <laughs> uh, she runs into Eric uh, and they instantly snog. That bit's really funny, isn't it? He's at the, he's at, she's at the bus stop and Eric comes like across this horizon. He's just like waving maniacally at her. <laughs> I would get on the bus and fuck off as quick as possible. These crazy fucking Danish blokes coming at me. She
1: seems to spot him from miles away as well. She's yeah. at the bus stop like,
0: ooh. He's in another oof. state when he starts running at her. So they instantly start snogging. You know, the last time they met, and she propositioned him, he didn't seem to give a shit. Now well, he's gonna. Yeah, mm. It was
1: all very strange. He started off sounding like he was interested, and then it sort of, he sort of did a double take and was like, "Oh, you're propositioning me? Um, no, because I don't do that anymore. Because I'm looking for love."
0: Well, they, they, they head off to Eric's place to um, make the beast with two bucks, and uh, it turns out Eric does love Barbara. Hmm. Mm. But,
1: but if he's so averse to meaningless sex, surely he should have checked first if she was, if she had pure intentions towards him. She, he went off with her, assuming that this wasn't just sex anymore.
0: It's far, it's far too much for a one plan film, to be honest. <laughs> uh, she starts an affair with Eric, and they have a romantic uh, montage. Uh, she, she, you know, she tells Stuart all about it, and then. Uh, She says she's moving out for a month. Get some insight into Stuart and Barbara's relationship and we find out um, he's cheated on her a lot over the years. Culminates in Stuart half-heartedly and melodramatically pushes a load of plates and glasses off the kitchen side, which I thought was fucking brilliant. It was almost like they'd done the take six times and it was like, this is the last lot of plates we've got. (laughs) And he's gone, he's sort of edged towards it and gone, oh, 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 I'll have a go. (laughs) Brilliant. Then Boz moves out and moves in with Eric and they uh, then almost instantly realises that she and Eric have nothing in common and she misses her family. Stuart goes out with Margaret and realises uh, he's not into her while Barbara drinks wine from a box <laughs> <laughs> and picks fight with Eric over veggie lasagna and Woody Allen films. Um, Again, Woody Allen.
1: Eric tries to say, look, if you miss your kids, why don't you come to Denmark with me and we could start a new family? Because yeah. that makes perfect sense
0: in, in the next scene she confesses to a friend That it's not going to work with Eric
1: You okay, Bob?
2: Yeah, I'll survive How are things going? I love him and all that But it's not going to work Missing the kids mm. But it's not just that Eric's trying to organise me just as much as Stuart ever did. I'm supposed to finish the course here, get a job, try and get the kids from Stuart, maybe even have one of our own. He's got our whole life worked out ten years ahead. But I feel... passion for him. Real passion. What am I supposed to do about that? Well... I sometimes feel a real passion for Italian food, but uh, I don't eat it because it makes me fat. What kind of an argument is that? It's the only one I could think of.
0: (laughs) All this upheaval um, starts to affect the kids and they they tell their dad that they want to go and live with their mum. Eric's visa has run out and he has to go back to Denmark. And uh, he asked Bob to go with him, like you say, Emma, and uh, she has no intention at all. D- no. There's no flicker of, like, oh, that'd be a good idea. Flick- and it's like, fuck right off. I'm not leaving for a snowy fucking northern yeah, European she's, she's town.
1: she's quite obviously, I'm just waiting for you to leave, okay?
0: <laughs> they break up. They go to the... Um, the airport, and Eric sort of like she gets out of the taxi, and she goes, "By Eric," and he just sort of like gives her this really hurt look and fucks off. <laughs> Heads. I'd like to, I'd like to believe that his visa actually did run out and they were actually deporting him, mm. not just for the film, just in <laughs> real life. Bob's is upset, and she has some really bad actor crying, and we flick back to Stuart and the boys, and their harmonious house is no more, and it's back to chaos. Stu and Bob's share a moment, and he asks her to come home, and admits the boys are driving him crazy. Bob's tells him to give her uh, a day or two.
1: I think that was one of her most extreme outfits at that point as well, wasn't it? <laughs> like middle-aged Cindy Lauper.
0: Yeah, see, I mean, we'll come to this in a bit. The the outfits and stuff didn't bother me at all. It's the 80s. It's what it is.
1: Yeah, but a woman of her age, I don't think, would be dressing like that in the 80s. I think that's what it is. It's, but uh, yeah, but we, I know she's... Regaining her youth enough to get her degree, and wants to be footloose and fancy free, but she does look odd.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we, we come to the last uh, the last but one note. Barbara comes home and is greeted with a military style lineup of children, which descends into a food fight while Stuart's trying to give a welcome home speech. And after all this middle aged melodramatic debauchery, the end. Right then, give me the sum up of this then. Emma. Give me give me what, what you got from this film.
1: Um, well, I think maybe they should have just had an open marriage and both got it out of their system to start off with and then they could have settled down and been faithful to each other like they seem to be about to
0: do right at the end of the film. Yeah, I mean, you brought up the... Um Uh, as we were just talking you brought up the the, the costume choices for for Barbara Mm. they don't have it for Stuart obviously apart from his garish tracksuits and at one point he's running a Terry Towlin t-shirt which I thought was a bit that's just going to cling to you when you're jogging and obviously he's he's incredibly bright yellow banana um, tracksuits but with Barbara, I feel like it's a it's a choice because she's trying to fit in at college, and she's, yeah. you know, and she's having that seven-year itch, even though it's twelve years. But you know, that she's having that seven-year itch where she's, you know, trying to fit and in. She's and, got a younger man. Yeah, and I mean, her hair is horrendous all the way through. it, Bless her.
1: <laughs> but she does. She yeah. She, you can see the evolution of her crazy outfits because she starts off as the like stereotypical housewife who's quite conservative with a small c mm. and um yeah it is she starts seeing eric she starts going to college and she starts getting wilder and wilder with her outfits
0: it is i mean i i, I love the the um the understoryline of the the parents where he's been this successful lawyer and she was a was she an actress a tv actress was she oh, or? Well, yeah
1: they did mention and basically she,
0: he just forces her to give up her job so as an actress, so she's got nothing. She doesn't even like looking after her child, because you know it's it's sort of like Barbara and Stuart full time. And instead mm-hmm. of going back to acting or anything like that, she's just pissed all the time to get yeah. through the pain of it all. And I, it was weird because it was played for laughs. But if you start talking about like me and you, are it's really dark. Oh yeah, it's really dark shit. That's like you know I'm gonna go to the doctors and go. I've had enough. I need some <laughs> anti-depression pills. Mm. For me, I mean, look, I said in the start, it is totally melodramatic, you know. I mean, tonally, it's all over the place. Yeah,
1: there, there are lots of just random things happening as well. as yeah. like what, in the, the montage of uh, <laughs> Barbara and Eric going out and having a lovely time. Somebody drives past in the car and just hands them a bottle of, was it wine or champagne or something?
0: Fuck, I miss this. Yeah. I they, must be been writing a note.
1: Stand Like, open-top car, and they just hand it over and say, have some of this. And they do. And just hand it
0: back. <laughs> Shit, I miss this. Wow. <laughs> I mean, um, like I say, tonally, it starts off really quite mundane and, and then and then it starts getting a bit comedic and then it goes a bit, like you say, montage and then it does something. And it doesn't but really... It,
1: it sort of... It's all a bit tentative because the, the kids aren't wild enough for what they mm. seem like they're going for. And... You can tell that it's trying to be some sort of comedy, but it's not really that funny, yeah, and yeah, it's not that the jokes aren't landing, it's just that they're all a bit half hearted
0: yeah, I, you know, I put like it it starts out as a like a as a weekday afternoon made for TV channel five drama mm. and then sort of ends up wildly somewhere else, but I don't know where. yeah, it's really weird. um and it just ends up being quite comedic and quite silly. It loses all the drama and tension of the start of the um, film
1: yeah what what is the moral of this film um let your wife have an affair and go to college or she'll turn into a raging alcoholic like your mother
0: yeah i mean <laughs> I mean yeah they're awful people is what I've got it at <laughs> you know they're completely well,
1: i think Stuart starts off as an awful person and it's it seems like his whole academic failure is the making of him and that he builds this relationship with his children that he didn't have and things go badly with his wife but if, in the end it all works out
0: and... Yeah, I, I mean like I said, they're suffering from massive first world problems and, and it's the whole, you know oh I want to go to college and we can, only, if I do we'll only be able to eat out twice a month it's fuck off <laughs> Jesus <laughs> I'd be, I'd be interesting to see what the play's like. Mm-hmm. I would if, if, if um, any repertory company would like to put this on I I'd, I'd, would would go and watch it to see how it pans out. I mean, it's not a many location um, play saying like mm. four or five locations but it'd be interesting to see how, how they do it differently.
1: I suppose I'd be worried it'd be a bit more boring though because they'd probably have to cut out some of the just weird randomness. Yeah. Cause you can't have so many locations, you can't, like, just have a car drive past you and hand you a bottle.
0: And... Why the fuck not? is <laughs> the 21st century, you can do what we want on stage. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, one of my notes here is I put Storm in an exp- espresso cup. Because it's just small. Yeah. It's, that's all it is. It's just small. It's it's nothing. I mean, they mentioned Woody Allen, uh, Woody Allen a couple of times, and obviously the tone of the music reminded me of Woody Allen. And I think that's maybe what they're going for, sort yeah, of like maybe it is. a quirky, you know, like Hammer and Her Sisters. I mean, you're talking about 1985. So for some reason, in, in the 80s, uh, for those of you who remember the 80s, and those of you who don't, uh, you can have a bit of that. Um In the 80s, we were absolutely obsessed with wife swapping and divorce. You know, I can name a fucking handful of films where this happened. You know, you start with Kramer versus Kramer. It was an Oscar yeah. winner. You go from there. You bounce across many... Di- Hannah and the Sisters, a Woody Allen film. You go through all these different films where it's about, you know, um, wanting something different. You know, the baby boomers' children wanting something different and not being labelled with this. I think it may just be a couple of years that he got to Australia because that was the early 80s when that sort of hit right. Hollywood so 85 <clears throat> would be about the right time it sort of bounced across but mind you this is an 81 play so yeah so it's, it's the it's, right it's time a isn't zeitgeist, it
1: zeitgeist though wasn't it it's it, like women exactly. leaving the home more and yeah. getting to further their education and have careers and how dare they <laughs> <laughs>
0: I jest of course
1: and sleep with younger nannies from
0: Denmark and <laughs> it's what we all dream of isn't it <laughs> Um, right, have you got anything else to add to this?
1: No, not really.
0: Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? Considering all the facts
2: and arguments presented by both counsel, and after careful deliberation... The
0: jury will retire and then consider the evidence.
2: Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict?
1: Verdict. judge!
0: Uh, right then, verdict Emma.
1: It was good enough that I don't regret spending 89 minutes on it. But it wasn't great. (laughs) It was fine.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I got a couple of laughs out of it. And it wasn't, like you say, it wasn't upsetting. It it did make me chuckle a couple of times. I don't know if that was on purpose, but it did make me laugh. And a couple of times, um, I found my eyebrow as high as um, Roger Moore's for for some of the dialogue. It was cringy and also hilarious. Uh, Like you say, it passed the time away nicely. And, you know... It's left no lasting effect on me at all, apart from doing this podcast. Um, I didn't feel myself thinking about it days later at all. It's just is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, how much would you give it out of a pound, Emma? Uh, 45p. Oh, I'm going 55p. Okay. Uh, that's an average score of 50 pence. That's uh, that's what we end up with for the profession. It's not a bad score for a film of this, to be honest. Yeah. I expected lower. But uh, yeah. So, thanks, Emma. Thanks for coming along for your second episode. I hope you enjoyed uh, doing this if you didn't enjoy the film altogether. <laughs> um, uh, thanks a lot for coming along.
1: Well, thank you for
0: having me. No, we, we live together just fine. And thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, like, subscribe, do all that jazz if you want. If you don't, it's fine. If you just want to listen, that's that's brilliant. That's all I'm doing this for. If you don't want to subscribe to the thing, whatever. Just get a good listen. Thanks to everybody on Twitter, who uh, our little community that, that are in there, the... Uh, the 100 Things I Learned from Film, Verbal Diorama, I'm going to miss everybody I know I am. Kids, what are we watching tonight? There's there's a boatload. Um, hallmark of Greatness. I could probably name about 50, but off the top of my head, I'm going to write them down, so I do apologise. I'll tag you all. Oh, of course, our friends from um, 80s action. Uh, sorry, 90s Action All the Time, which I will be appearing on quite soon. Uh, I'd record an episode with them for uh, Tombstone and Coke Russell that comes out in September sometime. So, yeah, definitely go check those guys out. It's lots of fun uh, talking about. Um, 90s action films in all their glory. But yeah, so um, all I've really left to say is uh, I've been Wayne and uh, she's been Emma. And thank you very much for listening to the One Pound Movie Podcast. See you again soon. Bye bye. Bye.